listening to the Future Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. We got a great episode ahead. We talk about spiders and snow and upside down feedback. You're not going to want to miss it. But before we get started with today's episode, we would love to ask for you to subscribe and rate and review wherever you're listening. I know you've heard us say this before. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That would really help us out, help us to get the word out. And if you feel compelled, would you share this with somebody in your world who cares about the future of the church? Now for today's episode. Welcome back to the Future Church Podcast. Uh, This is Ashish. I'm joined by my friend, as always, Taylor Murray. Hi, Taylor. How's it going? Oh, I, I've never been better. The snow is outside. Well, the rain is outside, but there's still snow on the ground, which means I am still, I'm doing great, man. That's so cool. <laughs> I, you know, uh, Taylor, I have to ask, how much snow did you actually get? You know, I'm a little bit salty about it, actually, if I can, if I can take you on a journey. Okay, so let's rewind four weeks from right now. We had some snow in the forecast, and there were four or five little snow freckles on my weather app. And when you get when you get one and one, that's like some hope. When you get two or three in a row or four, you're thinking there's no way that snow's not going to happen. Now I might not take it as science, but I know somewhere in the mix of that there's going to be some snow. So you can imagine my frustration and dismay when none came. This happened over the last several weeks. Every single week, I'm seeing snow in the forecast, and then I'm seeing it not happen. And so I was talking to God about it. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but you're messing with us. You are trolling us. You know, we talk about online trolls. God was trolling us. He's trolling me. And so, so <laughs> but work no, with no, me this here. is great. I, I work with me here. I'm, I'm, I got to finish my story. So, so he's been trolling me for a long time. And so we get to this week and, and so the snow is kind of impending. We know it's coming. And, but it's not, it like the, the forecast keeps moving. The target is moving. I'm not digging this. This is not okay with me. And so it's still like nothing's happening and, and I'm not, not seeing any snow. But then I start seeing all these people on Facebook. It's snowing, it's snowing, it's sticking, it's sticking. And I'm looking out my window, I'm seeing squat diddly. But then I look at my weather app according to the current location and it says snow showers. And I see this winter advisory. I'm like, winter advisory, my face. Like, this is not real. And so I'm looking outside, nothing's happening. Finally, we get over to Friday night and Friday night, everyone's getting snow and we're getting snow coming down, but I'm looking outside and I've got a video on my phone that snow is literally coming down and the wind is blowing it off of my driveway. And that was God just laughing at me. And he's saying, I don't want you to get any snow. So it, it was, it was a frustrating little bit of time for me. And so, um, but we woke up Saturday morning the Lord stopped trolling me, and he finally said, Taylor, be blessed. Here's the snow. We got about eight inches of snow, and we were happy and, and good to go. So <laughs> that's well, my that's my beef with I you. love that. What I was going to ask you right in the middle there was relating <laughs> to your story. Did you, as a dad, because I, I feel like I would do this to my kids, did you promise to your kids, hey, snow is coming, and then it never came? Oh, yeah. Well, the 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 week before when we had a few snow flurry icons in a row on the the sacred weather app um i i i was excited about it i'm like we're gonna get snow and hayden's like we're gonna get snow oh my gosh and 
she was already ahead of it, like brought her snowsuit down, all of that kind of stuff. And so it was so frustrating. And, you know, Noelle and I were talking about it. We only get so many snow days here on this side of the Northwest, on the West of the Cascades. And so I don't care if we got to cancel church. I don't care if I got to miss work. I don't care if, if I have a big event planned and we have to cancel it. If snow is the reason to cancel, it is always a good thing. That is my opinion. I'm sticking to it. I do not care how much snow it is. I don't care what inconvenience it is. And I'm not trying to make light <laughs> of the fact that, you know, it does cause inconveniences for people. And I, I know it causes crashes and all that. And I don't want to make light of that. But I just love the snow. Even if I could sit inside and watch the trilogy of Lord of the Rings all day, extended versions, which with kids, that's almost not possible. But you know yeah. what I mean? I love a snow day because you only get so many, so many. And so it was a welcome sight in our house. We got to play outside, build a snowman, AKA I built a snowman, played at the neighbor's house, went sledding, did all of the fun things. It was, it was a really great weekend. I loved it. Yeah. The, you know, it's interesting that, um, you know, I can brag a little bit, actually, let me, let me backtrack for a quick second for a lot of our listeners have no clue, uh, where we're, uh, recording from. So Taylor and I live in the Seattle, Washington area. So I live um, in downtown area and Taylor lives um, a little further out, closer to the mountains. So the assumption is always that Taylor will get snow before I will, because I'm closer to the water. So the assumption is he will. So for whatever reason, I literally got a foot of snow over a span of 36 hours. It was insane. My kids played in the snow, sledded down the snow, we, our, our driveway was, a, was like a sledding kind of zone. We were using a kid's mattress to sled <laughs> down our driveway. Now get, now get this. We don't have sleds. So our neighbor saw us sledding on a mattress down our driveway. And they're like, Hey guys, we have actual sleds. Would you like to borrow them? So we actually borrowed their sleds, but come to find out our mattress was much more comfortable than <laughs> the sled was. And this was the crazy part, right? Um, like, for, for Annabelle, my youngest, she's only, she's almost two. She's a month away from being turning two. she, all she wanted to do for two days straight was eat the snow. So she was just taking snow, eating the snow. And I'm like, I don't know where this snow has been, but she's just eating it. You know, God forbid she gets sick from it. COVID, you know, I don't know. Uh, that was a joke, but, um, anyway, so, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a really beautiful last two days. And honestly, right now outside, it's so disgusting. The snow is melting because we have so much snow that it's slushy and wet and disgusting. I've not even gone out today because I'm just like afraid of walking out there because it's so gross. But, um, you know, for it's many nasty. of our listeners, you know, who are possibly spread out around the U.S., um, these last few days, I'm sure you all have experienced some level of cold or snow or ice or, you know, we keep hearing um, uh, about just snow in the most random places in America, like my wife has family um, in the southern tip of Texas, like literally the southern tip, right where the the, the most southern point of the U.S. Um, and and anyway, uh, at at this point, um, Brownsville, Texas, got snow, and and it's usually like super hot, incredible weather there, never never snow. <laughs> it's like the second time in the last hundred years or something like that. It was insane. Anyway, that's wild. That is yeah, actually totally wild. wild. Like, it, it, what's funny is is you see people during these kind of times and you know somebody from I saw something it, we'll see it every year someone from California saying laughing at people in the Pacific Northwest for not knowing how to drive in the snow or whatever 
And I, I think someone making fun of someone who can't drive in the snow, who's from Seattle, is like a sixth grader making fun of a kindergartner um, for not understanding sarcasm. I don't know if that even made sense, but it's like that's that's because they're in kindergarten. That's because we live in a place where we don't get so much snow that it doesn't warrant any kind of system for snow cleanup. You know, there's no snow piles like. You, okay. you have you have cities in the Midwest who have they literally own dozens upon dozens of snow plows. We are in a county that has less than some small towns in the Midwest, right? Because they're they are built to be set up for this snowpocalypse that comes every year and stays for three months. Well, part part of the problem there too, Taylor, is our topography is not like flat. Yeah. So we have like rolling hills. Like east-west hills are incredibly steep. North-south, they're really gradual. Like that's the topography of Seattle and the surrounding area. And it's all because of glacial yeah. um, advances and, and, and retreats, right? So anyway, um, like it's crazy. You cannot have snow plows um, going up east-west roads in Seattle. Um, you would literally, the thing will crash. <laughs> like it's not going to work. So, um, so that's also part of the thing too. us here on the West coast, um, all the way from, you know, Vancouver, Seattle, uh, Portland, San Francisco. If we, if any of us ever get snow, we literally can't do anything. Cause the roads are like, like you're, you're going to be sliding down a hill. <laughs> so, yeah. and you're like, I can't even get up the hill. So this is, I'm stuck. Here's so. the deal. I'm just glad that I do not live in somewhere where like it's super hot and they have big crazy spiders. I was watching this video today of this mom who comes into her daughter's room in Australia, Sydney, Australia. And there are hundreds of spiders on their ceiling. And she's just saying, oh, they're so cute. I'm going to kill you, but you're so cute. I'm like, no, at that point, I'm literally just saying, God, take me now. I'm good. I've lived a full life. I'm thankful for the time I had and I'm done with it now. Please take me to heaven I will be one of very few people in human history who you just took up without letting them die. Please let that me let that be me because I I was I was crawling out of my skin. You ever had a time? And this is my question for you, Ashish. Have you ever had a time in the middle of the night or in your house where you were confronted with a spider that you did not know was there? An example would be uh, years ago. I'm in bed. This is before I was married. I'm in bed by myself, obviously because I wasn't married, I'm in bed by myself and I feel something tickling my leg and it keeps tickling my leg and I know, I, I just, in this moment of clarity, I reach over, turn on my life, flip open my my blanket and there's this spider that I'm not even kidding you, was three inches legs, like the legs were the, obviously the hugest part, massive, crawling up my leg. I reach to the thing that is closest to me on my bed, I think it was a, it was a journal, it's on my dresser next to my bed and I smash this thing. And I went straight down. I didn't, I didn't clean it. I didn't do anything. I left the room, went down, slept on the couch. And I was, I, I was, it was as if it was a demon. And I think that spider was a demon. Literally. I was so freaked out. So have you ever had a moment like that with spiders? Uh, are you glad that you live here? You know, uh, I have not had an experience like that with spiders, but, um, I do remember I was visiting India. Um, this is like 15 years ago now. And I remember, you know, we're down in South India, where, which is incredibly tropical. So this is like, tro yeah. think like Amazon, 
you know, tropical, like beautiful, but they have the freaking largest insects in the world, right? So I'm standing at a door in a doorway and this cockroach, literal cockroach, <laughs> that is like literally like six or seven inches long, lands on my back. And I didn't even know it was there. My cousin like turns to me, he's like, Osher, there's, there's a cockroach on your back and it's gonna like, you need to flick it off. I'm like, holy beep, right? And I'm like, this sucks. And so I just remember like, like just shaking my shirt and going wild and going crazy, trying to get this thing off my back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Taylor, places like Australia, India, Southeast Asia, um, the Amazon, like, I mean, Africa, parts of Africa that are closer to the equator. Oh my gosh. Like the, the, the sizes of the insects, it's insane, man. Like insane. Um, anyway, <laughs> scary stuff. Scary we're talking stuff. To, we're talking about God trolling people. Like it, it, he is trolling the world by creating stuff like that. I just gotta be honest. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him about it when I get to heaven and be like, what's up with that? And here's the, here's a really great question for God. Were there things that he did just simply and 100% just from a sense of humor? Like I made that just to be funny. Like, is that, I don't know. Could it be? Cause you gotta know God's got a sense of humor. We're made in the image of God. We have senses of humor. There's gotta be something there. So did God create anything purely just to mess with us? And I think the answer is yes. We will find out someday. But I, I, th I think he created some insects and bugs and creatures just to be like, I'm messing with you guys. So we're actually about to interview an insectologist on our podcast. Just kidding. We're not. That's uh, not what we're doing at all. Um, but um, uh, I know we've, we've talked at length about snow and insects. Um, Taylor, what's something um, that kind of stuck out to you? Uh, this last week, um, just something, some, something you saw or um, something that you were just like, this is hilarious. Um, not gross, like you talked about, but something hilarious that you're like, I, I feel like our listeners need to. Something hilarious? If, if, if you don't know, I, I can throw one in there, but throw feel free. In, throw it in there. I can ask you, Ashish, what's something you oh. saw that was hilarious this week? <laughs> Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Um, how, you know, I, Taylor and I are millennials, right? And there's enough like stories out there. The millennials uh, are on average, like poor, poorer than their parents ever were um, struggling, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So there's this ad about how millennials are always on Zillow to look at houses. Oh my gosh. And it was so funny because it just hit home, literally hit home for Kaylee and I. Um, cause we're just, you know, we're, we're like Zillow, you know, we're just like always on the app and checking it out. And like, it was just so funny because, um, it was so relatable. Um, you know, this just, for, you know, for folks who don't know what we're talking about, just Google, uh, Zillow, uh, Zillow ad. And, um, you will literally, this will be the top of your search result. And I, I, I'm going to give a caveat to that though. If you are married and in your early to mid or upper 30s or older, then you can Google it. Otherwise, you are not worthy of it. It is not for you because it is simply for people like you and me. Who, I'm that's just kidding. True. But that's true. That's I it. mean, the truth is, is it pokes at something that is so real. And I, I got to warn, it's a little bit inappropriate yeah. in, in the best way because it's real. Because basically, uh, especially with the year that we've had, 
Um, it's been one that has definitely, at least to every, I think to every adult, every married adult, it has brought to into the forefront of their minds, like, what could it be if you were to move from here? <laughs> what would it be like? What if you were to find a house in Arizona or Texas or not Texas right now? Cause it's freaking cold there. But what would it be if you could, you know, move to, you know, I don't know, like Montana and live in the beauty of there and not have to deal with all of this kind of stuff. Cause it's a wild time. And I got to admit it is appealing right now. Because the truth is, is we've had we've had a year, and I I, I kind of wanna wanna talk about that because we've had a year where as we look into Christian spaces, as you and I are leaders in churches, and uh, when, I I would say really anybody who is an engaged, thoughtful person who's committed to advancing the kingdom of God, anybody who's in that space has been in this place where you are now experiencing a phenomenon that you've never really experienced, at least this specifically. And, you know, you and I were talking about this idea of, um, I called it upside down feedback. And um, there's, there's been, uh, unlike any other time that I've ever experienced in my, in my uh, over a decade in full-time ministry, but really decades uh, being involved in ministry as an adult, in leading youth, leading people, leading in the church, building the church. I've never had a time like this. And here, here's, here's what I mean. Uh, when I say upside down feedback, here's what I mean. It, it, when you look at the last year, you've got COVID and all of that kind of stuff. What COVID did is it took from us, it, it, like, it stole from us the feedback that we were used to. Now, I'm not going to say that that was bad or good so much as our reality was one way and COVID stole it. We, uh, as a preacher, one of the things I do is I, I, um, I uh, use feedback to be one of, not the only, but one of the ways that I gauge my engagement um, with the audience. So I might have, you know, different leaders, um, if I'm preaching on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, different leaders that I know that I have a connection with, that I feel they know me and my, their engagement with me helps me to feel um, like, all right, I've got a pulse on the room, right? Uh, different students, different parents, different leaders, different people in different spaces. And when, I'm, when I can feel the feedback from them, I can tell whether I'm resonating or whether I'm falling flat. Um, when I'm leading a team and if I'm out in the lobby with them, like we thought about this uh, recently, um, what what I used to be able to do is by the nature of being in the room together, I could rub up against different people. I could bump into them and by bumping into them, it would bring to the surface something that I may have needed to bring up. So an issue or a positive thing or just that relational environment. And by that relational environment, I got to bring something up that otherwise when that's taken away, it's not coming to the surface. So these things are staying underneath the surface rather than bubbling up. So when I say feedback, I mean different things that are coming back to you that are giving you a pulse and a response like, okay, I did this and the return was I felt the reaction. The return was I saw the results firsthand. The return was I, I got to feel this engagement interpersonally. And so that's not good or bad so much as it's the reality that we're used to. So that feedback was stolen from us. But then on the flip side, the feedback that has been coming 
is one that we weren't prepared for. And that feedback is, is the kind of feedback that uh, we can use the the specific example of social media. And it's funny, a friend and I were going back and forth on this and because some of it is good. And especially when it comes to the reckoning that has been happening in our in our culture and in our nation in regards to race and justice and politics, some of this stuff needed to come at us. Because I think for the long time, people like myself in churches where things were normal and I'm the I'm the majority in my space. And um, there were things that I could exist without having to address because I just didn't have to. And there was no there was nothing pushing back on me for that. And I'm not saying that I was indifferent or anything like that so much as the reality that many people were in was one that existed without that negative feedback. Now we lose the feedback that we're used to that gauges how we're doing. And we have now gained feedback we didn't ask for. We've gained feedback that's coming at us from social media. We've gained feedback that's coming at us from now everyone in our space. I don't know one single person that I can think of. I could maybe find one who is disengaged from the moment that we are in. When it comes to politics, when it comes to race, when it comes to COVID, when it comes to masks, when it comes to health and safety of people, when it comes to um, biblical ethics and all of this kind of stuff. Now, all of that has almost simultaneously all of that has bubbled to the surface. We didn't ask for it and it's coming at us from every single angle. And so now it's like a pick six. And what on, you know, pre-COVID, we were throwing a, a potential touchdown pass. Now COVID hits and suddenly that potential touchdown pass was just intercepted. But not only was it intercepted, it was run 97 yards for a touchdown. And so now it's a 14 point swing. We've gone from knowing where we're at, enjoying that feedback, using that as a predominant metric to now losing that metric and finding ourselves where we're getting the feedback that we never asked for. I think it's good. I think it's also bad. I think it's important for us to discuss. Ashish, have you seen that in your space? What, what, what's your thought as I kind of talk about that upside down feedback? What comes to your mind? Yeah, uh, I love I love the way you're you're framing it. This kind of I'd never thought of it from this place of upside down feedback. Um, I've, I I'd kind of um, you know specifically as it relates to social media or you know being around people that tend to agree with you. Like what I have noticed people doing is creating echo chambers. Um, you know we tend to be with the people who agree with us, live life like we do look like us, eat like us, act like us, right? Um, that's generally the human condition. That's what we do as people. Um, you know, for myself, um, you know, I, I don't know if I was as disrupted, um, you know, personally. Like I think um, some, of the, some of the changes and some of the, you know, how things have come to light. Um, I think social media has been a, a real picture of grace um, because um, it's revealed things um, that, has never been revealed before. Like I, I, I was having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine who works in um, a local Seattle company. Um, uh, he's a business guy for them. And, and so anyway, we were talking about technology and, and we were just reflecting on how, um, you know, for minorities in America, the ability for them to record a conversation on their phone is the only thing that has brought justice for them. Because before that, literally no one believed them. The people in power did not believe them. Social media, pastors, leaders, people in power would routinely 
disregard and and completely ignore those voices. But now it's like, sorry, buddy, I recorded the friggin' thing. Like I have it on recording. I know exactly what you said. And um, I just saw this the other day, Taylor. Um, there was a, a police officer who started playing. They started doing this thing. So it was like in California, they started playing like songs that were copyrighted, like just regular pop songs. Because what will happen with algorithms as you Facebook Live it, it'll actually turn off the Facebook Live because it thinks you're playing a song that no is copyrighted. So that's what these cops were doing to kind of stop the these these folks from recording. Anyway, all that to say to kind of to, to go back to your question, I do think some of it is bad, right? Like I, I agree with you. Like I do think there's this overload. Um, you know, Taylor and I have I've talked about this before. Um, honestly, we're going through a major human experiment right now with bombarding humanity with overloaded inputs, like tons and tons of feedback, tons and tons of ideas. Like there's, and this is the problem, right? Like um, the feedback you're looking, like you can actually curate the types of feedback you want now. Like you could be like, hey, I'm only going to listen to people that agree with me. So this is all the feedback I go after. Or I'm only, I'm going to have a little bit of the stuff I don't agree with. So I'll get a little you know, get some granola in there. Um, so you kind of like balance out your feedback. Um, and I think, I think for me, like I, I, um, an example of, of, of kind of the lack of positive as, as Taylor talks about this constructive feedback for me, um, you know, I, I preach every, like once a month, once every other month for our church. And one of the problems, you know, we, we do, we do online, services right now. So it's really hard to gauge, like Taylor talked about, to gauge the congregation as you're preaching, mm. right? So I'm sharing a word, I'm going for it. I have no clue if anyone even cares about what I'm saying, right? Like there's that there's that tension of wondering, does this really matter? Is this really hitting? Is this really landing? Um, and you only come to find out after the fact when you have these kind of distributed kind of online channels that you're preaching on, right? So there's actually something um, as a leadership team in my church, Taylor, that we've been talking about. It's something that we're really trying to tackle and ask ourselves, like, how do we want to pivot? What are some ideas? Like, how can we encourage that feedback and create that kind of constructive, like, discussion, this idea of, like, knowing where our people are at um, and not just bombarding them with another another input, right? Another thing that they get to listen to or, yeah. or subscribe to. Um, but, but, but this concept of like, is this actually landing? Right. And that's the thing about community. Like I can, you know, I can listen to the best messages because there's way better preachers than Taylor or I out there. Like I can just uh, go download those. I can go download that podcast. Than Not better than me. I'm yeah. I, I'm going to have to ask Noel about that. <laughs> Cause I'm sure uh, Kaylee's going to, Kaylee's going to list off like five preachers better than me, like in a heartbeat. Anyway, all that to say um, all that to say, <laughs> um, there are better music, there's better music, there's better, um, you know, there's better preachers, there's better inputs people can subscribe to. Right. But the question is how are all of these inputs actually like this, this kind of feedback that we can curate these echo chambers of what we want, the preacher, we want the Twitter follower, sorry, the Twitter personalities we want, the Instagram celebrities we want, like all of that can create this kind of weird kind of malformed disciple if you will right it creates a person that's basically it's like me saying i love working out my arms and my arms are huge man i just love it my arms are like gigantic but my legs man they, they suck i can barely run i can barely like jog or walk but man my arms are huge just because i love working out my arms you know and that's often what happens with 
upside down feedback where you focus in on the thing that you're comfortable with and you've ignored the stuff that actually is the necessary feedback, the constructive feedback that Taylor's talking mm -hmm. about. I think that's really great. I think the tendency for us would be to look at all of the bombardment and to retreat. But the other temptation would be to look at all the bombardment and try and meet it all and try and be sufficient to fix and perfect everything. And both don't lead to life. Both don't lead to being fulfilled, being happy, being secure, being rested. I was reminded of Exodus uh, where, where God's giving them the, you know, the commandments, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that idea of holy, and I'll reduce it to one piece of it where it's like the, the idea of different, right? Holy means set apart for a purpose. Um, but one way you could kind of describe it is holy is different. Like when there's something that is holy, it's different than the rest. So the six days that are not the Sabbath are not necessarily unholy so much as they are lumped together in one category. But there's this one day that's set aside. And I think right now, today, I think we cannot retreat but we do need to retreat in a moment where there are where there is a day where we say, you know what, I am going to Sabbath. I'm going to retreat from this, knowing that I'm coming back to it. And because I know I'm coming back to it, it is essential that I retreat from it so that I can get perspective for it. So that when I approach it coming in, when I come back to it, that I am in the space that God has designed for me to be in. So that I can pr approach it with health, with vision, um, with solution, with rest, with um, with perspective that is so needed. I can think to many times over this last year where things came at me and I'm not a victim of it. I'm, I'm thankful for it as hard as it was and as, as hard as it is. I mean, we're in a tense time and you've got people who have real things. You've got people who have opinions and you've got uh, weaknesses and flaws that come out. Um, in yourself and in others. And, and there are things that, that I think are really a gift from God. But then the other gift from God is this command, hey, you cannot handle this on your own. You gotta rest. I, I loved the snow day this week. And Noel had to challenge me because I, I had like I had a meeting. The snow day kind of actually canceled it for us. But going into it, she's like, I hope that you cancel this because we don't get many snow days. And it's not very easy for us to rest and just and be just be present fully without thinking of anything else. Let's make the most of it. And I was kind of salty that it was on a Saturday, not like a Thursday, you know, because Saturday is already a day off. Um, but it was such a gift because it forced us to like I built a snowman. My kids didn't help me. They wanted to build a snowman. And this, I'm frustrated about this. They made me build it by myself. And then <laughs> they brought me a carrot. That's it. Like that's all they did. And, uh, but we built a snowman and we, we went, um, we went to the neighbor's house and we went sledding in their backyard. And, and then we went into their house and I'm with Jude and Hayden and we're watching Disney plus on their couch with our snow boots melting in their house. And I, in that moment, it was like, this is life. And this is what those other six days are for. And those other six days are what they, they need this to give a perspective.
I'm able to come into Monday when, or I'm able to come into Sunday and Monday, like in our rhythm, when, when Saturday was right. When Saturday wasn't right, my Sunday was wrong. And I know we're not here to talk about Sabbath, but I think there's something, there's got to be something different so that it gives perspective to when all mm-hmm. of these things are coming at me. I'm not defined by it. I've actually got perspective on it and I can approach it now with an honesty and a restfulness and a mindfulness that is needed because it's worthy of addressing. And so these opinions and these in, these all of these inputs, they're worthy of being acknowledged and dealt with, each one of them in and of themselves. But I got to be rested to do it. I got to be I got to be secure in who I am, mm-hmm. who who God says that I am, and when I live from that place, I can now approach anything with the confidence that I I'm I'm secure and I'm rooted in the right things. Mm-hmm. Taylor, I have, a, I have a kind of an interesting story to share. What what is that app that people can share videos to one another? Is it Mar- um, Marco like, Polo? Yes, Marco Polo. Okay, so funny story about Marco Polo. Like this was like right in the middle of 2020 in the pandemic. Um, so my wife, Kaylee started using Marco Polo to talk to a bunch of her girlfriends, like all over the country. It was great. Awesome. But what was funny is there was this moment where, um, uh, one of her friends and her, they just started passive aggressively, like sending each other videos. Like they were calling each other out kind of like, wow. but in like nice kind of girl kind of ways <laughs> in the ways that only women do. Cause guys don't do that. Guys are just like screw you. Like, let me tell you what I really think. <laughs> screw you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Like Taylor and I, like we have healthy disagreements. We're not like passively aggressively trying to like butter each other up and then drop something. Right. Anyway. So I remember Kaylee um, was having this existential crisis about it. Um, and mm. she, she can't, she was just like, Osher's like, what do I do? And I'm like, I, I was just like, Kaylee, like what's, what's got your goat? Like what's happening. And finally, um, I just said, babe, like, this isn't real. You realize this is an app that encourages you to talk and talk and talk on a video and then wait for them to respond and talk and talk and talk on a video. I'm like, this isn't real. Like, this is fake. This is like manufactured friendship on this app. Um, and, and, and it kind of goes to this bigger question, Taylor, um, you know, this evolutionary, like, experiment of seeing what humanity will do with all of these social engineering apps that are messing with our brains and our hearts, right? This this experiment, the question is, um, is it making us better or is it not? Right. And it's funny because so many of the people that create all the apps and the hard, you know, the hardware that, that like, like the phones and the computers and all these folks in Silicon Valley, you know what they do that, you know what they make their kids do? They, they don't let those kids get on screens at all. They, they literally are like, we're not going to let kids be on screens. Why? Because they know this stuff will destroy you. They know this stuff is going to kill you um, yeah. because it's messing with our heads. And um, there, there's stories about this in like in the Bay Area and LA and like just crazy um, how like Silicon Valley people are trying to get away from technology, away from social media, while the rest of the world, like we've all just kind of, drunk the Kool-Aid and we've gone for it. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think what Taylor is describing this discipline of disconnecting is a very important part because you only have 24 hours in a day. You only have the brain, the heart, the makeup God has given you. And if you're spending time 
like getting worked up about, you know, what someone said on social media that can't be verified, mind you. No one has done any fact checking. Like no one has truly proven. Like I remember a couple of times, like over the last few years where like somebody I love and I respect on Twitter said a thing and I like hook, line and sinker believe them. And I remember even like retweeting or like liking the post or whatever. And then like days later, I come to find out, oh, it was a mistake. They didn't actually mean that. Like, did, like, did oh, the spider, man. did the spider really crawl up my leg? Was that a made or was up it CGI? Story? Yeah. <laughs> was it CGI? Was it, was it, a, <laughs> was it Gibby? It's I don't true. know. I promise it's true guys. Yeah. So like, it's things like that, where I think what Taylor is describing is, is this discipline, you know, um, that cognitively we need as humans to disconnect, um, you know, each, each of us have a different way we recharge, um, you know, and, and for me as an Enneagram five, I don't know if anyone out there knows where the Enneagram is, but maybe I'll, we'll link to it in the show notes as an Enneagram five. Like I'm constantly, my brain is on steroids. Like I'm just like, like thinking, overthinking, like my mind is this like dungeon of crazy ideas and like weird thoughts, like <laughs> God help me. Right. Um, and for me, what's important is to silence the voices yeah. that are trying to overwhelm me. And often that could be my own voice. More often than not, it's voices of social media or personalities I respect or follow, um, you know, or it's friends even that want me to do certain things. And it's like, no, like I need to take time to, to, to like silence those voices so God can speak to me. And so I can even hear myself speak in some sense to say, hey, like, what am I really thinking about? Like, what do I really want to do? Like, what is my life really going to look like? And I, I mean, you see this, Taylor, even in the life of Christ, right? Like Jesus, I mean, he was God. And yet he still took time <laughs> to get away from the people he was around, right? And if God, if yeah. Jesus had to do that, um, you know, how much more should we as, um, forget pastors, but just us as just humans, how much more do we need to do that? Um, and yeah. I think, I think, you know, I'll just add one quick thing, Taylor. The the thing I, I, I'm processing too with what you're saying is I think there's this unholy uh, angst that we all live with. There's this like this this kind of it's it's the distortion in the background that always is there now because of social media and all this noise. It's just always there. It's like, oh, like what's out there? And then of course, some of our personalities, we got FOMO. So it's like we got to like check in on like what's out there. What are people saying? Like who said what? Um, and so I think like there's this kind of noise that's always back there that we have to, um, in some sense, silence for some portions of our days or our lives to, um, to, to help us recharge and, and, and reorient ourselves to who we're supposed to be. Um, so anyway, I could riff on that for a while, but I'll stop. Taylor, jump in. Well, I, I was reminded as you as we were talking about this uh, years ago. I saw this. Um, I, it's been a while, but Joel Houston, who I love, he's one of the greatest songwriters of I think the last twenty years. And you know, if you don't know, he's Hillsong United, and I, I love Joel. And but he said something once that was so backwards for a guy like him. And he said, you know, you you need to not always listen to music. And this is coming from a guy who. You know, he, he makes his living on people listening to his music. And but he, what, what he was talking about is, is humans were never designed to always have a voice coming in because what that does is it actually silences the voice that they were designed to always be linked to. And I think so much of this rages against the voice of God being able to speak. 
And I was reminded, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of the story of Job. And you see this whole, this whole narrative of Job, and he's got all of this stuff that's happened. And I, in no way am I saying that we've had a Job year. It, we could say that, but like, I'm not saying that I've lost everything that I own and all my family, anything like that. But, but what happens is he loses all of this. And then you see this dialogue with all of these people in his world and all of his friends. And they all have something to say. And then finally it gets to this point where God says, can I have my turn? And I wonder, is God saying that this last year? Is God saying that right now? Can I have my turn? Can I have the day that I designed for you and me? Can I have that back? Not to say that I wanted to be out of every other day, but I really wanted this day. Can I have it back? Hey, those people on social media, they can wait till Monday. Hey, the people who have opinions, you don't have to address every single one of them. You should think about it, but don't live in that. Give me space. And I wonder if there are Sabbath moments within our everyday that are different moments than the rest of the day, just as much as there are Sabbath days within our week. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think we have to have Sabbath moments. And I think we have to have spaces where we're saying, you know what? All of the, f- and back to the feedback, like, I'm not getting that feedback, the feedback that I never needed. Like, because really, the feedback that is most needed for me as a leader and for us as human beings, as much as it is great, and we'll get back to it. And I think it's valuable to have people in your world who help you gauge where it's at. Like, how am I doing relationally? Oh, you just gave me feedback I needed. You just told me. I remember our friend Ryan Harder, who, who one time, he's like, Taylor, you, uh, and I still do. He's like, you talk too much. You're always the first to whatever, this, that, or the other thing. And I remember multiple moments where he did that. I remember I've, I've had you do that where you challenged me on something. That's the good kind of feedback that we also aren't getting as much. And mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But then all of this feedback that is coming in, and I, I hate to just narrow in on that one word feedback. I'm using that with that upside down feedback idea. But that all of the voices and all of the things that are coming from every angle Those are not good or bad so much as they are not the predominant voice that we need. And we have to remember Mm -hmm. that those voices are going to vie for our heart space. And we've got to get back to the place where we rest from it. We remove ourselves from it. We don't throw it away, but we step aside and we say, God, here's my time to breathe. I'm back in the Mm -hmm. space where you designed me to live. I'm back in the space where I'm hearing from you. I'm back in the space where I'm not worried about everyone else. And I'm just going to be content in who you created me to be with my family, in my house, yeah. in my space, in my zone, because I know that you asked me to do that for my benefit. God created us mm-hmm. for the Sabbath and he created the Sabbath for us. God created us for Sabbath moments and he created Sabbath moments for us. And I think if yeah. we can remember that, we're not going to get rid of the feedback so much as we're going to give the perspective or we're going to give the feedback perspective. And I think that's mm-hmm. what matters really in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Taylor, like, you know, this, you, you've heard the term, we vote with our feet, right? Um, what's interesting about the world we live in now is we vote with our attention. And um, the question we have to ask um, listeners is not, um, we're, sometimes we keep asking the wrong question um, as it relates to, let's be specific about social media for a minute we're asking the wrong questions. It's, it shouldn't be um, who should we listen to on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. The question is, should you be on Twitter? 
Because here's the thing, right? All of these companies, um, and you see organizations do the same thing. They survive and thrive based on you opening that app, you in the same way that you walking into a store when you're voting with your feet, when you open that app on your phone, that moment, they know that like literally in that moment, like I'm a marketer and I know that this happens like on the day to day, like there are usage tracking apps, like literally Google analytics and um, different apps like Pendo. They are literally tracking what you do on your phone. Like you open that Twitter app where you tap is being tracked because they're trying to figure out how to get you to come back. They're trying to figure out how to get you to keep clicking. Like, you know, Taylor and I have talked about this and, you know, we're in different places politically and in some sense, but the thing that was super annoying, right? Like um, is over the last like four years of the prior presidential administration, um, all the folks like throwing stones at the president, they were getting ratings because people kept coming back and wanting to hear what they had to say, good, bad, or ugly. And so <clears throat> the interesting thing with this whole attention economy, attention economy is that it actually, as a human being, when you give your attention, like that's actually the most valuable thing you have yeah, because it's connected to your time. It's connected to your resource. Um, it's connected to your relationships. It's connected to all of life. That's all you have. All you literally have is a human being, your being is your attention. It's the fact that you give attention to something or someone. And so when these companies, um, you know, uh, you know, take that attention, they are winning and you are losing because you are now a pro like you are literally their product. Like yeah. the product is like, they are selling your information to other services so that you can keep coming back. So this is the thing I will say, Taylor, just to, just for some, a little bit of wisdom on like how we think of the right kinds of feedback. If the feedback you're going after is the kind that is addicting, you know, uh, especially with social media, you know that that's the wrong kind of, like I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine about TikTok and I was just like, why are you on TikTok? Tell me more. <clears throat> and I was like, you know, do you realize like they're the, the app is literally listening to you? Like, even if you don't have the app open, like it's doing stuff, it's just the fact that it's on your phone, it's sending wow. TikTok, all of that information, it's telling TikTok what apps you have on your phone, how much space is on your phone, literally all the ins and outs of your phone, your entire life is being sent back to TikTok servers, right? Like wow. this crazy stuff. But the thing is, nobody cares because the videos are so cool. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these apps, like they feed they're, they're kind of like in Harry Potter, like they're, they're the, they're the uh, Dementors, like they feed off of your energy, they feed off of your attention. Yeah. And I think it's so critical that we disconnect and take control of our own human being. We take control of our being and our yeah. living and our relationships. And, and I, the reason I'm on my high horse about this is because I work in marketing, like Literally everything you do on a website, when you go to your typical website, is tracked. They literally know more about you. Some of these websites know more about you than your wife does, than, your, than even you do. <laughs> and That's and wild. it's like, it's insane, right? So, um, you know, so just to add to what Taylor is saying, um, it's so critical, listeners, that we, we address that area of addiction. And for us, it's our attention. 
if the attention we're giving something, like if I'm spending more time looking at a screen <coughs> than giving attention to my kids or my wife, when I should be like, I'm not saying you're going to, you're always going to be looking at a screen. Like, let's not lie to ourselves, right? Like we live in the 21st century, but when there's moments where you're at home or you're with your friends and you're sitting around and all you're doing is looking at a phone, like put the freaking phone down and look <laughs> the other person in the eye and talk to them and find out how they're doing like that kind of basic. So this is where I was saying earlier, there's this human experiment going on right now with social media that God only knows what will come of what this experiment will do over the next few decades. And it's, it's in some sense, it's ruining marriages. It's ruining yeah. relationships. It's ruining communities. Um, you know, uh, there was this, I'm just riffing Taylor, but there was this phenomenon that happened in the fifties back when air conditioning units became a thing. Wow. So it used to be that in the summertime, um, you know, the houses, the way they were built, they were built so that you were forced to go outside to the balcony and sit in the balcony, air, like the porch or the patio, so you could be outside in the cool of the night and not be hot in your house, hmm. right? So what happened was um, air conditioning units came in and televisions came in and people just started saying, staying inside, right? What happened is communities that were tight-knit because of those social uh, exchanges that happened in the cool of the night outside on your patio, um, you know, on your balcony, like those moments the stopped, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The feedback, it stopped. And so because of that community, um, the, the strength of community started breaking down because people became more isolated. All they did was sit in front of a TV and got their news and watch whatever soap opera they wanted to. They got their air conditioned kind of houses going on. They don't need any more balconies. They don't need any more patios. Um, so it's funny because technology has this problem. It solves one problem, but sometimes it, 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 it actually Brings creates other problems. Yes, exactly right. And so I think, I think what Taylor's talking about, like you really have to ask yourself, what are you giving your attention to? Mm -hmm. And is it the right kind of attention? Um, sorry, is it the right kind of thing you're giving the attention to? Because yeah. attention is all you have. That's all you have. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing that I was thinking about, and maybe we can kind of close here, is how often do then we play into this bad kind of loop where we've got one, the wrong kind of feedback. That I love that idea of the porch, right? That's so real. That went away, okay? And, and we look at COVID-19, we look at this year, we look at all sorts of stuff. We could draw millions of parallels. But that went away, and then the feedback from the TV the feedback from the social media, the feedback from the air conditioner, the feedback from the conveniences came in. And then here's the question though. Then when it changes us, we leave that space. And now the feedback that we used to bring in the cool of the night is the kind of feedback that is coming from the, we're, we're, we're bringing the TV into the cool of the night. And so now we're going into spaces where not only has the feedback coming into us, the inputs coming into us changed in, in, in a detrimental way, but now we're bringing that detriment to others. So we get used to bringing our opinions, bringing our criticisms, bringing our feedback, all things that are good, not bad in and of themselves, but we don't realize that we're playing into this system that the creators of these social media, I'm not saying that they're all evil people or whatever, 
but the creators of them get to sit back, fold their arms and just watch it perpetuate itself because we lose our humanity because of what's coming in. And now we bring that lack of humanity into other spaces. How easy is it for me to bring feedback or criticism or say it from afar to a human being and not do so in the relational context of the porch being outside where you're forced to face your neighbors and you're, you might bring stuff, but you're still neighbors. And I think that's so valuable right now that we we're we're learning our lack of humanity and relearning how important our humanity is. And I think that that is so essential as we look to the future of the church and as we desire to create communities and, and build kind of people who are, who are, um, you know, followers of the way of Jesus and are living um, the life that he's designed for us to live, that they're experiencing the Sabbath rest that God designed for them, that we're not perpetuating a system that rages against it, but actually we're, we're holding up the system that builds it. And we're, we're not going to play into it. And when we do, we're going to get back to the porch. You know, I love that. Um, and, and get back to we're neighbors, we're going to do this together. And so I think that's so great. And I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap it up. Love it. Yeah. Let's get back to the porch. Real relationships, real interactions. It's not all digital and, um, fake, if you will. And you know what you can do on the porch? You can play cards Christians like. So Taylor, you just got that. <laughs> I know you got the game. I feel like we need to interview. We need to reach out to the the creators of this game, Taylor. Um, you know, I tagged him in a in a story post. Maybe I'll start doing that again. And uh, but it's actually phenomenal, and I fully, fully, fully recommend it. Played it with our staff the other day. It's incredible. I can't wait to play it. Maybe um, the, the when we have a few guests, we could probably find a way to play it online for the podcast and totally lose some listeners while doing it <laughs> but it's amazing oh, man. and uh so there's there's our sponsor for the day cards christians like Boom. this is uh it's gonna happen one of these days um we want you whoever created this whatever group whoever had the idea um taylor knows who you are please i don't know who you are i need to look this look this up but we we want you on the pod we'd love to um, understand um, all that went into the thought, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into this game, because we we love the game. So so yeah, let's do it. I'll get him. I'm messaging him right now. Perfect. Your church podcast, Cards Christians. This has been episode four. Thanks for listening. See you later.